Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. We are live on the Falcons podcast. It is Wednesday, 9.05 a.m. here in Atlanta on a frigid Wednesday morning. I think it was 25 when I woke up this morning. That's chilly. That's chilly in January, let alone November. So I hope everybody's staying warm out there. That uh, that Saints victory glow helping to keep you warm a little bit as the Falcons get ready to move up to the New York Jets. Uh, I am your host, Scott Kennedy. I, I live in Atlanta. My co-host is under the weather today, so he will not be joining us. Nick is out, so hope you're feeling better, Nick. And he will uh, will be back probably tomorrow on Mile High Huddle and then back on Coast to Coast Football Friday morning. And should be back to discuss the Jets game on Monday. We're live on the Falcons podcast on YouTube and Facebook Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 a.m. And one of the reasons we like going live is to say hello to all of the folks in the chat. We like getting your questions and interaction. That way I'm not just sitting up here monologuing, uh, talking about stuff you don't want to talk about. Michael Ranquillo comes in. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Good to see you, Michael. Michael's up early with us. He's out in Tucson, Arizona. John Harrell is up early in the, in the chat room before we even got started on YouTube. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick and the Falcons family. Let's put the pressure on the quarterback. Oh, goodness, the pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I, watched, I watched a lot of the Miami Dolphins-New York Jets game again last night, and the, the Dolphins were able to get pressure on, uh, on Boyle pretty consistently with a four-man rush. Man, the Falcons were getting stoned against the, the the New Orleans Saints with a five-man rush last week. They just were not able to get any pressure. I think they'll be able to generate a little bit more pressure against this New York Jets defense. I don't think that, that they carry the threat of the passing game, even with the hampered Saints wide receiving core. Derek Carr is still able to push the ball downfield better than the New York Jets. So, I think we should be able to be able to get a little bit more pressure up there when we take the Atlanta Falcons up north to the New York Jets, but we will see. Jordan Brown coming in. He says, good morning, Scott. Happy Wednesday to you as well. Cheers. I'll drink to that. I got my coffee this morning from uh, Patrick Wiltsy, lioncoffee.com. He keeps us well caffeinated. We certainly appreciate it. And Jordan's first one in on Facebook, so it's good to see you. Dominic Aramio coming in. says, good morning, Scott. Falcons... Dog Nation, Broncos Country, SEC Championship game this weekend. Yeah, this is the first time where it feels like just about every, if not every, conference championship game has some implications. Um, so the SEC always does. That's always a either a semifinal or a quarterfinal, depending on what year you're happening to uh, to pay attention. Uh, but you know, the Pac-12 this weekend, uh, the Big Ten certainly. So. Uh, even the Big 12, to a certain extent, if Texas can sneak in there. So uh, definitely a, a good weekend of football getting ready. 
Brad Clark says, uh, good day. I'm ready for another win this weekend. Jay Gribben, good to see you. Hope you're doing well, my friend. Uh, Dave coming in on YouTube also says, good morning, everyone. This Jets game will be closer than people think. I think. Yeah, and I don't know why anyone would think it wouldn't necessarily be close. Uh, looking at the Jets, you know, their defense keeps them in a lot of games. I think, I think the problem is you look at their last few games – their wins, how do they beat the Eagles? 20 to 40. This is a team that's got a win over the Eagles and the Bills and a three-point loss to the Chiefs. Uh, they lose 27-6 to the Chargers. They lose 16-12 to the Raiders. That was right after uh, McDaniels had gotten fired, I think. That was a turnaround for Las Vegas. They got beat pretty handily by the Bills and Dolphins. And now here come the Atlanta Falcons. And I kind of feel like the Jets have, have packed it in, so to speak. This is a game that... You know, how many times have we said this, and then the Falcons go out and not do it? This is a game the Falcons should win. Uh, they, the Jets are on their third quarterback, and frankly, their second quarterback wasn't worth a darn. Their third quarterback is a journeyman at best. Uh, you know, he he's not an NFL guy. No offense to him. I'm, 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 I'd love to have the career he's had, that's for sure. But you're talking about a team leading a division in a playoff spot. Going on the road, this is a game you have to win. Uh, but we'll get into that uh, in a little bit, a little bit as well. Uh, Rusty Moore coming in he says, "Let's say Desmond Ritter keeps putting up these same type stats the next six games. Just because you win as a terrible division doesn't mean you're a good team. Think the front office realizes we actually need a quarterback yet? I think so. Um, I think what he's done is not good enough for for Desmond Ritter. Is not good enough for him to be handed the starting position going into uh, the 2024 season. Now he's got six games plus Falcons make the playoffs. They get at least one more uh, to turn that around, to put up some of those 250, 275 yard, two touchdown games, but you got to eliminate the interceptions. You got to eliminate that stuff. Otherwise you're, you know, you're a poor man's Jay Cutler. You're, you're going out there and just putting up numbers, but you can't take care of the ball. That's not going to fly. Not the way this team is built. Um, this team isn't built to throw the ball all over the place, and it's it keeping games close, grinding them out, putting teams away in the in the second half. Um, they're the way they won the Saints game. Take away the Jesse Bates takeaways, and that could be a very different game. So you can't always count on getting turnovers, but the way Desmond Ritter has been playing, you can almost chalk up two turnovers a game, and that's that's a big reason why this Falcons team is five and six instead of let's see I've said eight and two we've added another game this, this team could literally be nine and two without a lot of changes they really could the, the schedule is that week and again coming up with the New York Jets this is a game I, I, I posted as a, a loss at the beginning of the season you're going against Aaron Rodgers and that defense on the road I put this one up as an L Climb this, claw this one back, and bring it back as a W. And you can you can get one of those bad losses like the Washington Commanders, put it back in the right column. Boo Dog comes up. Good to see you, Boo Dog. He says, uh, and I have a feeling that's not Boo Dogs. That's Boo Dog. Uh, says, good morning, Scott. Let's beat them Jets. Uh, Keith Robbins, good to see you. And as Jordan Brown says, if if Ritter continues to prove at minimum, he will have competition. So. I, I've seen some of the, you know, some a couple of the comments. There's not a lot of people out there right now that are all behind Desmond Ritter, but there's there's a few of them out there, um, you know, willing to place all the blame on on uh, Arthur Smith. 
and the the offensive play calling to say that's why Desmond Ritter is struggling. I'm not there. Uh, again, I always think this is too binary where there's too much. It's either this or this, and it's it's just not. There's combinations of these things. And would I like to see a dedicated offensive coordinator come in if Arthur Smith is back? Yes, I would. Will that happen? I doubt it. Um, I doubt it. I, I like the man management that Arthur Smith has. I like the way his team plays for him. That's the main job of a head coach. It's not the main job of an offensive coordinator, though. Um, but Desmond Ritter hasn't has shown me enough that at this point of the season for me to think that the, the uh, Atlanta Falcons will be investing, looking to invest heavily into the quarterback position. That doesn't mean he can't win the job and keep the job. Um, I think Russell Wilson, Seattle Seahawks. I think they, I don't remember who it was. Was it Matt Flynn that the, the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks made a big money or big trade or something, but invested heavily into a, a quarterback. It may have been Matt Flynn. And then here comes this rookie who wasn't even a first round draft pick who beats him out and keeps the job. That's fine with me, but I think that you're going to have to invest in competition to strengthen the room beyond what you get from Taylor Heineke. And if that's a day one or day two draft pick, if that's a Kirk Cousins type uh, on a discount, again, I'm not. You're not going to put thirty million dollars into a quarterback and not start him. Um, but maybe a somebody with a little bit better resume than Taylor Heineke to be more than a backup, but to come in and compete for the starting job. Yeah, I think uh, I think that is. I think that's very possible, probable, and and should happen. I don't think Ritter's done enough to say, this is your job in 2024, kid. Um, run with it. Um, and this is a name that keeps popping up for everybody right now. Uh, Dave says, I don't want to have to go in Jaden Daniels in New Orleans or Tampa Bay for the next five years. And then some. You know, Jaden Daniels looks pretty good. He's he's uh, he's climbing up into a lot of talk. Obviously, the two big quarterbacks that will go one and two in the draft. Drake May, Caleb Williams, the Falcons aren't in reach for those unless they were to drop three first-round draft picks. And then some, possibly. A couple weeks ago, I said, what about, this is when the Falcons had lost, or in the midst of their losing streak. I said, what about this year's, because it was a top 10 pick at the time, this year's pick, next year's pick, and Kyle Pitts for one or two, for picks one or two. I don't know if that's enough. I really don't. I don't know if that would be enough to get it done. Um, but yeah, the Falcons will be in the market for a quarterback in 2024. I I fully believe that. Lonnie Fulce, good to see you. He says, good morning. The Jets were the team that Ritter showed his most potential against in preseason last year. Let's hope he has a relapse. Um, yeah, preseason. You know, there's preseason heroes all the time. And uh, again, just... It's so, it's it's just disheartening. You feel like you're you're getting some momentum. There's chunk plays coming. There's a nice throw followed by a good run. Another nice throw. You get in the red zone. Penalty, interception, fumble. You know, the red zone fumbles are just killers for this team. Uh, Chris Walker says, happy hump day. I'm glad we got the win at home. Absolutely. And the Falcons have been pretty good at home for the most part. Um how do you lose that game? What was it Washington was at home and Minnesota was at home? Yeah. Uh, I went through the, the power rankings, you know, and uh, I, 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 I said it when I, when I posted on social, it was like, you know, NFL.com is not a big believer in the Falcons. And frankly, we don't, we don't blame them. Um, 
you know, and, and why not? It's like, well, let's see, because they've lost to, um, in recent weeks, they've lost to the Commanders 4-7. and seven. They've lost to the Titans 4-7. and seven. They got beat by the Vikings, who were playing pretty good, but obviously the, the bloom has come off Josh Dobbs with four interceptions. That's what you expect from a guy that just got off the bus. And you lost to the Cardinals at, what are they, 2-10? and 10? You know, uh, it's your wins are against the Panthers, the Packers, the Texans is a decent win, the Buccaneers four and seven, and the Saints are what are they now five and six, uh, so, uh, or worse? I don't remember exactly what they were. Yeah, they're five and six. You know, so no, even and the thing is, is even with these next games coming up, at Jets, Buccaneers at home, at Panthers. Now, the Panthers might get a new coach bump. Sometimes that happens. It would have been nice to keep them seeing them spiraling down the drain. But they may have been packing in and, you know, getting ready for next year. Some of their some of their guys are looking forward to Christmas and, and by the time we pl- uh, the Falcons play them. But at Jets, Buccaneers, Panthers, one, two, three. Man, you got to go three and oh. If you're going to be taken seriously as a team, you got to go three and oh in that stretch. Um and uh, and Ryan says the Saints are a decent team. Just because the Falcons stepped them, beat them, doesn't make them a bad team. They're not a bad team. Uh, in fact, of the Jets at Jets, Buccaneers, Panthers, and Saints in that four game stretch, I think the Saints are the best team in there um, for sure. But you know they lost to the Vikings. They eke by the Bears. They beat the Colts. They lose the Jaguars. They lose the Texans. They lose the Buccaneers. They lose the Packers. And they're not a good team. You know they're a mid pack in the era of mediocrity, New Orleans Saints. They're they're right where the Atlanta Falcons are. Could they be good or are they just going to keep, you know, blowing their chances to take advantage? This is the, this is the stretch right here coming off this Saints game, these next 3 games. The uh the Falcons are sitting there at 5 and 6. They can win the next 3 and go eight, be 8 and 6 and start to get some of that positive momentum. That's that's where they need to be. Um Michael Ranquillo says, uh, I think the Bears will draft wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. for Justin Fields, number one wide receiver on his team. Uh, we'll see. Um, the Bears the Bears are going to be awfully interesting right now. Um, you know, if you look at Tankathon right now, where are the Bears? They're sitting there at one and four. Whew, that becomes real interesting. And frankly, they might not keep Justin Fields. They may decide to reset the contract and go get Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams, and move on from Justin Fields. And we've talked about it before. And Justin Fields would be a very good option in Atlanta uh, for, for relatively cheap without a big investment. Would you rather see Desmond Ritter's on this team next year unless he's part of some trade package? Would you rather see um, Justin Fields and Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke? You know, for a second round pick or what, if, if that may be what it takes to get Justin Fields, I'd take him for a second rounder. I said at the beginning of the season before Desmond Ritter had taken a snap, I would take Trey Lance for a third rounder just to bring in a young, talented quarterback into the room. Has nothing to do with Desmond Ritter. It happens to do with having more people on the, uh, having more good players available, which is what you're, uh, which is what you're looking for. I, I think I missed Andrew says, good morning, all. The chat jumped on me just a little bit, so I want to say good morning to Andrew on Facebook as well. And then uh, Daniel Mitchell, good to see you, Daniel. He says, man, Scott, I'm glad you said that. Without those takeaways, offense still hasn't gotten it done. If Ritter has to go, uh, if Ritter has to go, the coaching staff should have to go as well. 
and and yeah, Daniel, I've said this a bunch that when Thomas Dimitrov was in charge, Thomas Dimitrov was on ch in charge. When they fired Mike Smith, I said Thomas Dimitrov should be out the door too. The the shortcomings in personnel wise on this team were not on Mike Smith. I said the same with Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn was not picking the groceries. Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov handed it to team. It was like, well, we don't need a defense. We have a defensive coach. So we're going to put all of our assets into the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, and frankly, they had missed their window a certain extent by the time they signed Alex Mack. Now, they almost got a Super Bowl out of it. But the Achilles heel of the Falcons from the time that Thomas Dimitrov took over, which was a golden age of Falcons football. So I know I'm kind of talking out of the both sides of my mouth here, but a lot of that has to do with uh, some good fortune in the draft and having an owner willing to spend some money for the first time ever. The Achilles heel for this team was not being able to put games away, whether it was running the ball to kill the clock or stopping somebody when they needed to. Yeah, they had Julio Jones. They had Tony Gonzalez. Um, they had Roddy White. They had Michael Turner. They had Matt Ryan, all these great skill players. But at the end of the day, when they had to stop somebody, whether it was the San Francisco 49ers and, and Julio's second year on the team when he goes for 250 yards and two touchdowns, 49ers, they can't stop him. We know about uh, we know about the Super Bowl. All of this type of thing. So, yeah, going off topic here a little bit. Um, but uh, my point on that was Arthur Smith is picking this team. He's got his hand all over this team. And when you go into this season with Desmond Ritter – as your quarterback with really not trying to do a lot. Again, like I said, for next year, Desmond Ritter should not be handed the keys to this team. Desmond Ritter was handed the keys to this team. Whose fault is that? It's Terry Fondo and it's Arthur Smith. Um, and Arthur Smith, is he's got his fingerprints all over this. And that's why he does not get a pass for not having a quarterback for me. Yeah, I know this guy, Steve Kennedy. He says, hello, son. Yeah. Hey, dad. How you doing? Uh, Ray's custom kicks. Good to see you as well. He says, uh, good morning. Good topics as always. Appreciate it. Dave wants to ask about, um, who is calling plays at Oregon? Can Bo Nix play translate? I, I don't know. You know, that started Chip Kelly kind of changed the way Oregon played a little bit. It may have been a little bit before him, but Chip Kelly really made it kind of a, you know, the, the offense that we, that we really saw up there, you know, spread everybody out, get really fast. I'm hoping Bo Nix ends up at the Senior Bowl. When you watch Oregon, it's not that he's just not making a lot of throws that are you see in the NFL. I don't – when he tries to every so often, I just don't see them – when you see Justin Herbert and he's, you know, ripping the ball at 80 miles an hour, you're like, yeah, he's got the arm. I don't care if he's dinking and dunking. I know he's got the fastball. And I don't know that with Bo Nix right now. So I'm looking forward. I'm hoping he goes to the Senior Bowl where I'm going to be. There's already a lot of really good players that are that are going to be down there. I'm interested in seeing Spencer Rattler um, down there. I want to see how he kind of interacts with everybody. One of the big questions on Sp Spencer Rattler has been his attitude. I think that has gotten a lot better since he got humbled at Oklahoma. I'm not sold on Bo Nix in the first round. Um, I'm biased. I will flat out tell you. I'm absolutely 100% biased, so I have to try and put that away and go down there and see him for the first time to a certain extent because I watched him at Auburn. I watched him in Oregon when he came back to play Georgia, and he's he's just wilts. He's just – I know he's better than that at, or, at, at Oregon, but you know, watching him just crumble under the pressure in SEC just does not sit well with me. 
Uh, Rusty Moore says, as a UNC, uh, Arthur Smith is a UNC alum. Hopefully, he's a Drake, uh, Drake May fanboy and talks Terry into trading up. My goodness, that'll be expensive. Took three first-rounders to get Trey Lance coming from North Dakota State with less, less than one season of playing time and not even playing that year? Man, Drake May or Caleb Williams. You want to get up to one and two, it's going to be expensive. God, it's going to be expensive. Um. And Andrew uh, says, I don't I don't think you need a superstar QB in this type of offense. You just have to have much better than what we've seen. Exactly. You know, we, we've said even average quarterback play, average quarterback play, and this team is nine and two. Uh, I think, you know, it, it, that's a minimum for me. You know, who do they lose to if this if the quarterback play is playing average? At the Lions, okay, I'll give you that one. They got beat pretty good in Jack, uh, not in Jacksonville, but against Jacksonville in London. Okay, I'll give you that one too. Do you lose to the freaking Commanders? Do you lose to the Titans with Will Levis making his first ever start? Do you lose to the Vikings who are shuffling quarterbacks in and off the Marta bus to, to, to come and play? Do you lose to Kyler Murray making his first start? No, no, and no. Those are your other losses. Nine and two. Nine and two, and everybody's saying, well, the Falcons haven't played anybody. Well, fine. I'd rather be nine and two and not having played anybody than five and six and not having played anybody. What do you think? Uh, Keith Robbins. Good morning, Keith. He says, Ritter seems like a good guy. I've tried to hype myself up saying he's getting better than boom. There's another interception. Yeah. And that's it. Again, he should have been playing a lot more than he was last year. He, he should have. Um, maybe gets out of some of that. Maybe not. Some guys never grow out of that type of thing. It's just, they, the the speed of the game um doesn't their the, the the skills that they have don't translate you know there's there's this the the train of thought is when people say oh we need to develop well not everybody develops otherwise i'd be in the nfl i would have worked hard you know not everybody can get to there nobody not everybody has the ceiling to ever develop into what you need so you got to keep bringing more guys in and if they develop great Desmond Ritter's cheap. That's in his favor. Uh, but you got to keep bringing more guys in until you've figured out that you've got the guy. And Desmond Ritter hasn't done enough to show um, that he is the guy at this point. Um, Andrew Newman also, he says, uh, we need a pass rush. Is Ebiketti showing some potential? He is. Um, I think he's doing a good job. I just think with this defense, it's basically a four-man front. Um, three, it's... It's kind of like a, an old 3-4, except it's it's not. So, yeah, well, well done, Scott. A 4-3, you've got four down linemen, okay? You've got four down linemen. Your defensive ends are on the bigger side than, than your outside linebackers. In and in a, in a 3-4 is basically a 5-2. You've got three giant defensive linemen. And then you've got two outside linebackers, edge rushers that walk up and they're they're up on the line of scrimmage. This team's base defense is the three big down linemen and then Bud Dupree. So there's only one edge. And then depending on the situation, maybe they rotate in two, but there's really only one edge in at a time, most of the time. And Bud Dupree has been holding down that spot. And when Ebiketti comes in, he becomes more of a liability against the run. That's been the problem. So Getting guys in third and long will get Ebiketti more opportunities unless they start moving the system around where they're having playing with more of a five-man front with the with with Ebiketti with two edges. 
So we don't see a lot of two edges out there. You look at the snap counts at the end, and there's two thirds are going to um, Bud Dupree, and then you might and then Lorenzo Carter and Ebiketti split maybe 20 snaps a game instead of 40 to 50 snaps a game. But he is, I think, the best pass rusher from that edge group right now. That said, edge is a huge priority. I don't know if the edge guy is in this draft class where the Falcons will be picking, but it's a decent year for free agents on the defensive line if they get to free agency. Montez Sweat was already removed from that group. That was one I posted Montez Sweat after watching him make just look great for the Bears and get a sack on Monday Night Football. You know, Montez Sweat with a little crying face. And uh, someone said, we'll get him next year. I'm like, no, no, you won't. He uh, He's already signed. He's already extended. So he's off the board. Those guys are really, really tough to uh, to go against. Um, I'll get back to the chat here in a moment. I wanted to, uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about before we got to the Jets was Jesse Bates. And that was the, uh, that was one of the topic Nick said, he goes, I don't think we're talking up enough how good Jesse Bates has been and what he's meant to this team. I said, okay, well, dude, put two minutes together of it. And we'll talk about it and I'll cut that up and I'll put it out there into the, the, the universe as a, uh, as one, once, you know, as a, as a soundbite, as part of the bigger show. Then we'll talk about it. Um, wanted to talk about it today on allfalcons.com. I haven't socialed it out yet, but I wrote it up on allfalcons.com. ESPN's Michael Rothstein was talking about Jesse Bates. You know, has he been the best free agent signing in years? I started thinking, I'm like, hell, has he been the best free agent signing in Atlanta ever? Um, the Falcons haven't been one to really make big splash free agent signings in their history. Now they've they've gotten some and they never had any in the first 40 years of their history until Arthur Blank took over. They didn't do free agents. They lost free agents. So I started going back and thinking about it. And off the top of my head, and I'd love to see what, what y'all think, the two that came to mind for me were Michael Turner. He was a free agent. And, um, and Alex Mack, uh, center. Those are two of the best free agents. On the defensive side of the ball, man, I can't think of any that have had an impact like he has. Not really even close. You start thinking of some of the guys that played really well. Uh, they, there were some trades in there. Um, Jonathan Abraham was a trade. I think I think the Falcons sent a first-round pick for him, and he played. He They got their, their value out of that one. Um, some of the better players that weren't drafted as Falcons, Andre Risen and Chris Hinton in, uh, in the 90s, they came over as trades. Um, there's not a lot of guys that you can really put your finger on when um, you start thinking who's really had the free agent impact. And I started looking, okay, well, has Jesse Bates been the best free agent in this class period in the NFL? I can make an argument for that. I really can. I can put two wins, two of the five wins almost at his feet. The Panthers, the first game and the Saints last game. Falcons are three and zero in the division and two and zero for a very big reason. Um, what about Tony Gonzalez? Did the Falcons have to trade anything for him, or did he come over as a free agent? That's a great pick, too, um, Tony Gonzalez. Um, I I don't remember that one for sure. I just remember him choosing, but I, I couldn't remember if he had asked for a trade or not. But I think you're right on that. I think he is. Um, I think he was a, a free agent signing, a very good one, too. 
and and Rusty, I I, I agree with this. Um, he that, that that Jesse Bates so far wasn't the best because Michael Turner was. Um, Michael Turner was the uh, was the best free agent. I, I'm with you on that one. Um, and Ryan says they traded a second round pick for Tony Gonzalez, and that was. And that, that's why I remember it, Ryan, is I wasn't sure because he basically chose the Falcons. He's like, this is where I want to go, which was unheard of. Say that in the, say that in this. Anytime between that one five, six, seven-year stretch of really good Falcons football, anytime in the history, and you say, Tony Gonzalez asked to leave the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, because he wanted a better chance of winning a Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons before his career was over. What? <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where the Falcons were for a while, and they'd never been there, and they really haven't been there since in the last decade or so. And yes, we are coming up on a full uh, on a full decade. Um, the free agent defensive end from Minnesota, Chris Dolman. Did he come over and play for a little while? Some of these names are running together. Um, Chris Dolman was a bad man uh, at Minnesota. Um, and then, uh, you know, I even forgot Dwight Freeney was with the Falcons for a little bit. We got that alert that says, you know, two former Falcons, uh, make the next round for the hall of fame. I'm like, well, I see Devin Hester. I remember him being there. Who's the other one. I actually had to go look. It said Dwight Freeney. I actually forgot Dwight Freeney, um, had a cup of coffee with the, uh, with the Atlanta, kind of like those right fielders for a long time when the, when the Atlanta Braves were plugging in guys year after year after year, I'm like, I Hell, I forgot he even played with the team for a year. So it may have been uh, Chris Dolman. Um, Deion Sanders was the number five overall draft pick of the Atlanta Falcons in 1989. He was one of those free agents the Falcons would lose when they uh, when they had the Smiths. So definitely not Deion Sanders as a free agent. He was the number five overall pick in 1999. The number one overall pick is... is I, I tell the story all the time because this draft helped me get into what I do for a living. I was 16 years old. The Falcons stunk uh, in 1989. That was nine straight years of losing seasons. Uh, they had just taken Andre Bruce and Marcus Cotton the previous year. Andre Bruce was the number one overall pick. So I'm 15, just starting to get in the draft. And 89 rolls around. Troy Aikman went number one overall to the Cowboys. Uh, Tony Mandrich went number two to the Green Bay Packers. Barry Sanders went three to the Detroit Lions. Derek Thomas went four to the Kansas City Chiefs. And then Deion Sanders, five to the Atlanta Falcons. What a draft, man. <laughs> four of those five guys are in the Hall of Fame. You know, and, and when those guys hit the field and I'm watching them still play, I'm like, wow, this NFL draft stuff's really cool. Yeah, they're not all like that. They're not all like that. Um, Ryan asked, this is an easy one for me, Ryan. He says, Scott, which year of the Falcons football was your favorite team? Mine was 2008 because of the identity they had, 2016 because of the Shanahan magic as well. This one's easy for me. Um, kind of like the Braves 1991 team coming out of the, the dark ages that were the, the 80s for the Atlanta Braves to go worst to first. For me, my favorite team of the Atlanta Falcons easily was 1998. Um I liked the style of football they played, especially after having to go through Jerry Glanville and the June Jones run and shoot era. Uh, when you know that everybody plays versions of the run and shoot now because the rules have changed, but back then it was it, there was still a lot of smash mouth football, and 
watching them screw around and and just oh it was just maddening watching June Jones offenses play. Um and then Dan Reeves comes in, Jamal Anderson just beat people up. Uh you had Tony Jefferson stretch the field. You had Terrence Mathis and Chris Chandler who made a 15-yard out route for a first down, absolutely automatic on third down. It was unbelievable that nobody could cover Terrence Mathis on the out. You had the best front four. If you go look up the Atlanta Falcons, just go to Atlanta Falcons ref, and it'll bring up that, and you click on 1998, and then go look at the defense. Their front four combined for like 45 sacks. That's what made that team so defense. They had a, I think they had a top five offense and a top five defense that year in 1998. Um now, I'm not saying the Falcons should have won the Super Bowl in 1998 because the Denver Broncos were really good. I am saying that we were robbed of what, sh- what should have been an epic Super Bowl, but the Falcons blew their wad against the Minnesota Vikings and went to Miami and went into we're just happy to be here mode and got their asses beat by a Denver Broncos team that was there for the second time and knew what they were doing. Uh, that Falcons team was so good. 14 and two, top five offense, top five defense. And it kind of, it didn't really come out of nowhere, but it kind of did. So that 19, that 1998 team was the best one for me. Um, uh, B row RP top 10. And we had Brett Favre also. Uh, I've, I've put this out there enough and I've had a big enough Falcons voice now that people know the answer to this. Cause I used to stump people with this one all the time. The Falcons traded. They still got a first-round pick for Brett Favre when they traded into the Packers. Who did they draft with that first-round pick? The answer was running back Tony Smith out of Southern Miss, who had like 500 yards from scrimmage all in his rookie year, and that was it. That was the end of it. Um, that draft was brutal. That was, I think, that was the Steve Emptman draft, number one overall, Quentin Corriott, number two. Again, I... I remember stuff from when I was 17, not from when I was 35. <laughs> um, but uh, that draft was, uh, that was not a great draft. And El, I mean, uh, Favre earned his way out of, as a backup quarterback, you know, he was very unprofessional in Atlanta. Um, but getting a first round pick for him at the time seemed like a decent idea, but they, they that wasn't the right draft to, uh, to be doing that. But back to Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates, um, if you look at Pro Football Focus, he's the number two safety right now behind Javon Holland. Now, Javon Holland carries a special little check mark in Atlanta Falcons uh, lives and, and near and dear in our hearts because in 2021 in Fontenot and Smith's first draft, the Falcons traded out of, and I might miss these numbers by one spot, but traded out of the number 34 spot with the Denver Broncos and moved down to like 36 or 37. The Denver Broncos took running back Javante Williams. The Falcons moved down and took safety Richie Grant, and they got a fourth-round pick, and they used that fourth-round pick on Drew Dahlman, the center. The pick after Javante Williams, the Miami Dolphins were picking one spot after the Falcons, Javon Holland went. We knew the Falcons needed a safety, for God's sakes. They had just gotten rid of uh, of all their safeties, and they signed what Deron Harris and Eric Harris, and uh, or Deron Harmon and Eric Harris that year. You know, a couple of journeymen, so they had to get a safety. Had to. Now, to be fair, I liked Richie Grant at the time. 
Uh, I was at the Senior Bowl along with Fontenot and half the Falcon staff, and Richie Grant looked good down there. But a second-round pick on him, and the guy that went the pick after you gave up was Javon Holland, who has been number one safety, I think, two out of the last three years, with Kyle Hamilton getting it last year. Another guy that we've talked about a lot on this show. But Jesse Bates has helped ease some of that. Um, you just maybe not want to spend $36 million guaranteed at the safety position, but if you get the type of play that you're getting from Jesse Bates, it's totally worth it. And if DeMarco Hellams steps up to fill the role of a guy who's playing, who's not playing to a second round pedigree and does play at a second round pedigree, DeMarco Hellams, great. So be it. Again, like going back to the Ritter conversation, if Ritter ends up being the guy, great, but I'm bringing in more competition for him. I don't care who is playing at a high level as long as someone is playing at a high level. I don't care if it's Nate Landman. Sorry, I think I'm the one that keeps calling him Nate Landman. I don't care if it's Nate Landman. I just did it again. <laughs> Nate Landman, an undrafted free agent, or if it's Troy Anderson, a second-round pick at inside linebacker. I don't care as long as it's getting done. Helms has his chance. I think Richie's time is going to start being eaten into by Helms down the stretch. Down the stretch. Um, that's the way the, the way I look at it right now. And um, and Chris Walker going back says Bruce and Cotton. Those who think Blank is a horrible owner, but the Smith family was so much more inept and worse. Yeah, you know Blank. His heart is in the right place. His checkbook is in the right place. He just might not always have all of the make all the right decisions. But man, you, you never had a chance. You never had a chance to compete with Rankin Smith, uh, the and senior and junior as the owners. You just you just didn't. It they were there to cash their checks and uh, and build up equity in the team and sell off and be multi 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 millionaires. And Ryan says uh, we're very lucky to have Helms drop in the draft. It's good good job from the scouting department. You know if we're gonna. The, the Falcons on the most for the most part, I think, have done a better job with their lower picks than maybe on their their higher ones to a certain extent. You know, you start looking at that first draft class for um for Smith and Fontenot and Kyle Pitts. All right, say what you want there, but you're not getting val the value from the number four pick. Well, Scott, it's because of this, this, and this. Fine, but you're not. You're not getting the value out of that spot. Number two pick, Richie Grant. Mm, no, not for a safety, man. A, safe, a second round pick in the safety, you want him to be a top 10 guy, and, and Richie Grant's not there. Your third pick, Jalen Mayfield, bust with a capital B. Just awful. Um, you know, those are your first three picks. That's bad. That's uh that was a that was a rough draft. Avery Williams was a nice pick out of there. Taquan Graham has been a nice pick out of there. Uh, to help bring up that class, but overall, um, not so good. But going back to it, Jesse Bates, number two on pro football focus. Is, I'm not going to say single-handedly because it's a team game, but almost single-handedly as responsible for two of the Falcons' five wins, worth every single penny he has been paid this year as a high-dollar safety in a non-premium position. But as uh, as Nick and I go back and forth on premium positions, a game changer 
there is no value. There is no positional value associated with a game changer. If you can change the game from inside linebacker, if you can change the game from running back, if you can change the game from safety, if you can change it from tight end, you're worth every penny. You're worth the premium dollars. You're worth the 20 million or so. You're worth being at the top of the, uh, the Jesse Bates is worth the top of the heap. I'm disappointed that Richie Grant hasn't stepped up being able to play in a secondary that includes uh, AJ Terrell and Jesse Bates, because you know who has? Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda is playing his way into a nice contract. Cornerback Jeff Okuda has stepped up from his play with the Detroit Lions, and he will get a nice contract out of it. The, the backside of this Falcons defense has been very, very good because the pass rush has been so bad. Man, just the, the, a, an edge rusher, a top 10 edge rusher on this team would make this defense from very good to elite. I, I, I do believe on that one. Uh, I want to get back into the chat just a little bit. Uh, Breon Green is here. Good to see you, Breon. Um, he says, Helms will soon be the starter. I'm glad Nielsen is starting to see the same thing. And, and part of that is, you know, getting to know the schemes and not having your head turn so much. If, you, if you're, this is a perfect game, the New York Jets going against this Jets team who wants to run the ball for breaking in a new player. Uh, they're not all that, you know, they're not running exotic schemes. You don't want to, you don't want to have your first game go against the, the bills or the dolphins who are running all kinds of stuff or, or the 49ers. when you've got all these different reads, you want to go up against a team that wants to run the ball and has a quarterback who can't throw kind of like going against the Atlanta Falcons. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like teams are doing to the Atlanta Falcons right now. The Falcons just have guys who can make plays. You know, you got Garrett Wilson with the Jets, but can you get him the ball with Tim Boyle? Maybe. So I, I think you you can use the physicality of uh, of DeMarco Hellams. And frankly, Richie Grant was better in the spots that he was put in because they played a lot of three safety looks against the New Orleans Saints. We might see that again. We might see more Trey Flowers. We might see a little bit more bigger defensive backs for run-stopping purposes because that's the only way this team's going to beat you. The only way the Jets beat you is getting lucky on is running the ball and then maybe and then maybe popping off on uh, on a, a big play with Garrett Wilson here or there. The way the Falcons lose is by beating themselves is is with the turnovers, um, blown coverages is by making mistakes. So this could be a very vanilla game plan, and you could end up winning the game twenty to six, and you could start talking about okay. The Falcons, you know, the offense stunk. Listen, if the Falcons take care of the football and control the game and win 20 to 6, I will come on here on Monday and, and, you know, in that neighborhood, I will come on here on Monday and talk about how, listen, I'm not judging the Atlanta Falcons offense against a good Jets defense, a putrid Jets offense in a win like that. That was playing to the game plan. Uh, and I think that's the game plan you've got to go against. Um, you have to go against the New York Jets because Nathaniel Hackett has been a disaster. Not having Aaron Rodgers has been a disaster because Zach Wilson is just poor and he has been poor and Tim Boyle is not it. Um, I like Robert Sala, but the I don't know how much decision-making he has in personnel up there, but the Zach Wilson draft pick could cost him his job. It, it really could. Um Andrew says, seems like all the D linemen bump into the OL and have no pass rush moves. There's not a lot of explosion up there, but again, 
Andrew, um, what you have seen is, again, in a 3-4, in the Falcons lineup, Zach Harrison, Calais Campbell, Zach's been, uh, you know, is a backup, but it's supposed to be Grady, Anyamata, and Calais Campbell. Those are three giants. Those aren't pass rushers. Now, those are guys that can, especially Grady, who can get penetration. And Calais Campbell, has, has, Scott, you say he's not a pass rusher. He's got 100 sacks. He's not the same pass rusher that he was, especially coming off the edge now. What you see now, though, Andrew, Falcons fans, is in passing situations, you see Calais Campbell moving up inside. He comes in a defensive tackle, and then you'll see the two edge edge, edge guys. That's when you might see Lorenzo Carter and Ebiketti on the field at the same time. Um, Ebiketti probably has the most explosion, but he's not one of those freak guys. Um, Zach Harrison had that reputation, but he's he's an interior deal also, either a 3-4 end or end up being a 4-3 defensive tackle at 285, 290 pounds, a little bit of a tweener. But he's not a great pass rusher either. He's doing a decent job for a third-round pick, but I don't think we're looking at him as becoming you know, the next uh, big-time pass rusher for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, here, let me see. Um, if it was me, Scott, I don't want... Um, I don't want to win the South. Want my coach to get fired. Uh, I think he's talking about Tampa Bay. Also, they might make some changes. And again, how many changes could be made in the NFC South this year? Dennis Allen's on thin ice. Uh, Frank Reich's already toast. Arthur Smith's seat's pretty warm. And uh, Tampa Bay Bowley Bowley's seat is definitely warm over there. They're sitting at four and seven. And the thing about four and seven. Now I mentioned the. I mentioned the Buccaneers. You look at four and seven and losers of how many they lost. Good gracious. There's a lot of red there. They've lost six of their last seven. That said, they're a little bit of a dangerous team. Uh, They lost by three to the Falcons. Y'all remember that game. That game could have been out of hand if not for the turnovers. Uh, They lose only by six in Buffalo. They lose by two in Houston. Those are two possible playoff teams. They beat the Titans. The Falcons didn't. Uh, they lose by two scores to the 49ers, but play them tough. And they lost 27 to 20 to the Colts who are winners of three in a row and sitting in the seventh seed. So they've actually been playing some decent football. Uh, they're on a bye week. No, they're not. My, my, my schedules in my brain just screwed up. We actually are into December, Scott. They play the Panthers this week. That should be a dub, uh, in Tampa. And then they come to Atlanta a little bit dangerous, but, um, Bullies on uh, bullies on thin ice for sure. You could you could literally see four changes at, at, at head coach, including when has somebody won the division and, and lost their jobs? Eight and nine and losing the and winning the division. I'd I'd be I'd be interested in 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 thinking that there's a a new coach on the way uh, if you go eight and nine on this one. Um, Alberto, he comes in. He said, should Arthur be conservative on his playbook with the Jets? Alberto Molina coming in on YouTube. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Again, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Think second half against the Saints. Take your shot. Okay. When they're creeping up too much, run a fade, you know, to if you get one-on-one coverage with Drake London, find him, put it up where, where he's got a chance to catch it. Um, you know, sneak pits into a seam and try and hit him on the, on, on the fly. But yes, you should be conservative against the jets. Cause the jets aren't going to beat you on offense. They're just not. 
you're going to have to beat yourself to lose to the Jets. I'm not saying the Jets can't win this game because the Atlanta Falcons are absolutely capable of beating themselves. We know that. How do you lose the Arizona Cardinals? You know, how do you lose the Washington Commanders at home? How do you get beat by Josh Dobbs again? Mistakes, 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 mistakes. Penalties. It's not just the turnovers. It was those getting. How many times we see the Falcons get into to uh, into the red zone? First and goal from the nine. Okay, now it's first and goal from the nineteen. Damn it! So, uh, and the Jets' defense is very good. So yes, conservative and wear them down. Nice game for Young Way Koo, who had the week off last week. And uh, I'm I'm teasing on that, but he, you know, we're used to seeing Koo get at least ten points a game. Anyamata has been one of our best players. Was somebody talk because there's an LOL at the end of this one? Um, not sure what the LOLs for Ryan because that's it's a strange take to say that David Anyamata has been poor. Um, David Anyamata has been fantastic. The, the the free agents that that were brought in by Fontenot and Smith on the defensive side of the ball, the, the moves they've made, in mean, which one of them hasn't worked out? Which one of them hasn't made the team better? David Onyemana, check. Caden Ellis, check. Jeff Okuda, check. Uh, Mike Hughes, maybe. That, that one's close. Um, and then Jesse Bates, obviously. Check, check. All those guys have been good. David Onyemata has been really, really good. Him and him and Grady Jarrett together. Onyemata has been a little banged up the last couple of weeks and Grady Jarrett's been out. Um, Onyemata is not the the pass rushing threat that you might expect you know, that you don't expect from his position especially with a three-man front uh he's going to be eating up a lot of double teams you're trying to free out free up your edge rushers or maybe create a gap in the middle where troy anderson who's been gone this was part of what you're expecting to get from him this year and Caden ellis can shoot a gap up the middle and, and, and generate pressure up the middle that hasn't really been there this year and part of that's because of the injury to troy anderson nate landman doesn't have the athleticism that Troy Anderson does. And that's not a knock on him. He's probably playing a better inside linebacker than, than, uh, than Anderson was, but he's not going to be capable of doing the same things moving forward and attacking the line of scrimmage that Troy Anderson was. Um, John o. Smith, um, another good import, uh, good player to come in. So yeah, the, the free agents, when, you know, the, when you, when you get a lot of money from, uh, from Arthur Blank, I think that Terry Fondo has done a good job with that, but with that money, especially when you think the contracts moving forward, a lot of those guys are on short-term deals. The guys that aren't on the shorter-term deals, Anyamata, um, Jesse Bates, Caden Ellis, everybody else, Bud Dupree, Calais Campbell, those those guys. Oh, Calais Campbell, check. He's been he's helped this team as well. Um, they've done a really good job of getting contributions. Now, frankly, the bar was set pretty low, but the question, one of the questions we had coming in was how well could all these new faces gel under Ryan Nielsen quickly? They, they've played really well. Uh, they haven't exactly faced murderers row of quarterbacks, but it's not the defense that has held this team back. It's not this, the defense. When I say nine and two, that this team should realistically be a nine and two, the reason they're not isn't because of the defense. The reason is because of the offense. The offense has regressed, and that's mind-boggling. It uh, it really is. Um, any last questions or comments? I'm all ears. I'm going to uh, to cut it short here in just a minute, but uh, wanted to uh, wanted to hear some of the some of the comments that y'all had. Uh, Michael Grimmage. Oh, the 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 uh, 
I was getting you, Michael. I'll come back. The chat jumped on me. Uh, but Wayman, story. Good to see you, Wayman. That feels like a newer name. Thanks for checking in with us today. He says, free agency was a win for the Falcons this year. We are a QB away from being a really good football team. Um, I'm, I'm going to expand on that comment, Wayman, because I agree. One, I think you're also a uh, an edge rusher away, a, a legitimate, scary pass rusher away. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, I'm not talking about a top five guy. I'm, I'm talking like a Daniil Hunter. You know, Daniil Hunter, if you look at the metrics, he's not, he's really high on sacks, but he's not, he can be neutralized in the right schemes by a good offensive tackle, but he's still really good. But he's not a top five guy. He's not a Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett makes any team better. Micah Parsons makes any team better. A guy like Daniil Hunter would really help this team. Would really, really help this team. So I'll go defense too. And when you say QB, Wayman, I am not willing to put this all at the feet of quarterback. I'm willing to spread the blame around to the offensive coordinator, play caller, slash Arthur Smith, and put it on their shoulders. So Wayman, when I say... I say passing game, You're, which is a big thing. I know, oh yeah, if we could only pass the ball, I know. But just more efficiency in the passing game, including protecting the ball, which could be on the quarterback, could be on the play designs, because I don't see a lot of quick passing. I watch, watch the Jets and the Dolphins yesterday, uh, last night before I went to bed. I was like, let me get a feel, another feel for this Jets team. Man, you watch Tua throw. It is three-step drop release. Three-step drop release. And then if it's not there, then he'll move around. And, and But the majority of Mike McDaniel's offense against the Jets was one, two, three, bang. That ball is out before the Jets defenders are even out of their freaking stances. And you're getting it to their playmakers. Now, and it's... Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are different beasts. Okay, fair enough. But Drake London and Kyle Pitts are big enough to take a two-yard pass and at least push a pile forward to make it a seven-yard gain to make it, you know, second and three. That's a good spot to be in instead of second and 11 after running an obvious play into the line of scrimmage um, on a running play and then you're second and 11 in a, in a place you don't want to be. So... I agree with you, Wayman, on this. The offense needs to be playing more efficient. They've they've taken a step back. They have. They've they've regressed, which seems almost incomprehensible with the uh, with the personnel that that are on the on that side of the ball. Michael Grimmage, good to see you. He says, "Could you see Fields being brought in this offseason? That's a great question. I think it's a controversial question. I think there will be a lot of uh, when I put it up on that you know. Kirk Cousins was interested. I, I was really surprised at how many negative, how much negativity that brought. Kirk Cousins is in the top five in in quarterback efficiency right now, and this team would at worst be nine and two with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. At worst, at worst nine and two. Coming off an injury, okay, that's a little scary. So clear the medicals. But Fields, could I see Fields being brought in this offseason? It makes sense. It does. Um, unfortunately, when it's come to the draft and how would you would use it, because you'd have to say it trades, what has made sense to me has not been the way the Falcons have gone at the top of the draft in three straight years under Terry Fontenot. Um, I'm on record 2021. 
trade down Justin Fields. Those were my first two choices. Trade down was my third choice. God, I wanted to trade down. I wanted that deal from the 49ers so bad. Um, they were just one spot out of it. Um, Penny Sewell, uh, a, a building block offensive tackle because Caleb McGarry was playing off terribly. Um, and, and it was a premium position and a good spot. And Detroit Lions, Penny Sewell is really, really good. Um, so I, I wanted the quarterback then to sit a year behind behind Matt Ryan, move on from Ryan's contract, and you've got Justin Fields to come in at year two. The next year with Drake London, trade down again, because if you're going to go wide receiver, there was like five wide receivers that went in the next 10 picks. But I thought Kyle Hamilton was probably the best player available at the time. Um, and maybe you have him there and you, maybe you don't have Jesse Bates, but maybe I also have an extra $30 million in free agency money. Um, and then, um, you know, and they went wide receiver again with still no answer at quarterback with Marcus Mario as your quarterback, they went wide receiver. And then the, the next, the next year I'm okay with the Bijan Robinson pick. I really am. But it was, for me, it was Jalen Carter was that pick knowing that, you know, the age of the guys that you have on the defensive line, knowing the reward of having a Jalen Carter on that team. Instead you go tight end running back wide receiver and your offense is still regressing because your quarterback positions and is a mess. So could I see them, uh, them coming in with, um, with Justin Fields, possibly it, it makes sense to me. I don't know what it would take to get it. it. It all comes down to that. What would it take to get him? Uh, Michael says there's no future with cousins though. You'd be right back looking for a replacement. So what? So what? Wouldn't it be fun to go to the playoffs? Wouldn't nine and two be fun? And then you're still looking for a replacement right now, brother. That's the problem. Getting a franchise quarterback is hard. It is hard. You get Kirk Cousins and you draft a quarterback every year until you find the guy that's going to be his replacement. And if you bomb a season, by God, get your quarterback when you're in the top five. Get him. Spend a pick on it. Um, you know, again, there's no future. The Falcons haven't been to the playoffs since 2017. It's time. And, and if you're Arthur Smith, if he gets another year, if he gets one more year, he has to win next year. Has to. He has no future with this team without a quarterback. He's not going to have time to develop one. He's going to have somebody that can come in and play, whether it's Desmond Ritter or whether it's uh, you know a, a veteran, a Justin Fields type. So be it. Um, and as Anthony says, and this is a concern, you know, the medicals on there. Cousins is going to get hurt again next year. Mark my words. Um, that's that's a concern. That's a concern for everybody though. Um, you know, okay, well I'll go get Anthony Richardson with the number four overall pick. He looked great. Yeah, he's he's out for the season too. Uh, um, you know, I'll, I'll make a move for Aaron Rodgers. Hurt. Uh, it is it is tough. Um, there was uh, let me see real quick. Anthony, and then coming back with Anthony he says we don't sign Akuda. I like D. Alford to step up. Kid's a ball hawk. Always around the ball, making plays. Made a lot of key plays this year. I like Alfred in the slot. I like him where he is. Um, that's a tough spot to fill. Isaiah Oliver did a pretty good job of that towards the end of his Falcons tenure. Speaking of battling injuries, D. Alford's really good in that spot. I don't want to move him. I want him there. Uh, if they don't re-sign Akuda, find another corner to play opposite on that side of the ball. Um, let me see here. Uh, I think we're, let me see, with uh, with Ryan Adonis. Um, and then we're probably going to call it a day. 
<laughs> as Ryan says, sign Derek Carr for 150 million. Yeah, that's what you don't want to do. My God, be up against a salary cap and then dump all that money into Derek Carr. Ouch. Um, he says, I think Jalen Carter just didn't fit the culture of this team. I know he's a good talent, but he just seems like a guy who can be a locker room problem. It, that wasn't necessarily the concern for me, Ryan, as much. Um, because when you think about it, it's a good spot for him to go up to Philly because they had veterans. I would love to have been able to drop Jalen Carter into a room with Calais Campbell, Grady Jarrett, and David Onyemata. I mean, talk about mentors. Now, would he feel completely out of place because he's 10 years younger than all these guys, seven years younger than these guys? But I just think that, you know, whether you're worried about, okay, we need to get him away from Athens. We need to get him out of Atlanta. Is that the problem? But, you know, Jalen Carter going up there with those veterans up at the Eagles uh, with some familiarity and with some veterans, you know, Jordan Davis is up there, some some guys he knows, and he's he's special, man. He, he really is. That's that's a tough one. You know, it's worse than not getting him. I have to look this up just to verify, but Nick told me and I believe him. You know what the Panthers traded to get Bryce Young? DJ Moore, I think he's top 10 wide receiver at Pro Football Focus right now. They traded the pick that ended up becoming Jalen Carter. And then the number one this year, which is going to be Drake May or Caleb Williams for Bryce Young. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, that one hurts. B-Row, love this question. Scott, do you think we could make a trade to get Max Crosby from the Raiders? No, um, I don't. Let me uh, let me look at his, his contract right now. I think he's locked up for a decent amount of time. And man, those guys, they're, I, I think you got a better chance of going after Brian Burns this offseason. Dude, you don't have to have a, t a complete culture change. Why don't we send you $20 million and just come straight on down 85? Stop when you hit the dome. Actually, you don't even have to stop. An hour short of the dome and you're in Flowery Branch. Um, Brian Burns makes a lot of sense for me. He's going to be a hot commodity. Um that said, the dead cap on on Max Crosby next year is $34 million. So they would take a decent hit. Now his base salary is 19. The Falcons would take that and they would take his roster bonus. Let's just call it 20. Um, the, the Raiders would have to eat about $14 million in dead cap money to make that move. But two first round draft picks might be worth it. Would you trade two first rounders considering you're hoping they're going to be on the back end? Of uh, of that side of it, you know, in, in the in the 20s, two picks in the 20s for Max Crosby, who's 26 years old right now. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. I just don't think he's going to be available. Um, yeah, no first round pick for the Panthers. DJ Moore, Jalen Carter, Drake May, Caleb Williams for Bryce Young. It's okay if Bryce Young turns out to be worthy of a number one pick, but if he doesn't, oh, that one hurts, man. Um, and yes, lots of, uh, lots of love for Brian Burns. He, and I think I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. They turned down two first round picks for him. He's going to be a free agent. Uh, Derek Brown is playing on his, uh, is playing on his option year next year. I would be looking to extend him and make him a lot of money. He's from Georgia. Uh, I said, he went to Auburn when Rodney Garner was recruiting for Auburn. They actually got players like this. So on that note, guys, we're at 62 minutes. My throat's starting to hurt. Uh, I appreciate y'all being here. I've had a great time with y'all today. The Falcons 
are in the midst of a one-game winning streak after beating the Saints. This should be the first of a four-game winning streak, but let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. This team needs to go up to New York and win this game. They absolutely have to. There's no excuse not to. Don't beat yourselves. Yes, I expect a vanilla game plan. I expect it to be a heavy dose. It was two to one running versus passing last week, and they still threw two interceptions. I expect to see that again. Limit the interceptions. Get the ball to Drake May and Kyle Pitts and, and Cordero Patterson. Uh, find less obvious ways to use Bijan Robinson. Get him out in space. And I will not stand for any uh, Tyler Algier bad talk on my timeline. I will not stand for it. Tyler Algier is a beast. Love the guy. He's a very big part of this offense. Take care of the ball. Don't get too aggressive on defense. The Jets will beat themselves. Win the game. Even your record. Solidify your lead in the in the NFC South. Come back and uh, and get moving. That's what's going on with this team. That's what I expect. I expect the Falcons to win this game. But you know, you know what they say about assuming about making an ass out of you and me. Lucy will pull the football out from under us. But there's there's no excuse for the Falcons not to beat the New York Jets. And I'm pretty sure the New York Jets would agree with us. This isn't a slight on Jets fans. I'm pretty sure they would agree with us. Anthony Shea says, I'll be at the Jets game rep in Atlanta. Have fun, my friend. Have a good time. Uh, it might be warmer up there than it is down here right now. So y'all have a great weekend. Nick and I will be back tomorrow if you want to talk some uh, some some Broncos with us, some, some football and some questions, NFL draft. We'll be back tomorrow on youtube.com slash milehighhuddle at 9.30. Then we'll be back on these channels on uh, Friday at 9 o'clock. We'll take a look at some of the games across the uh, – and, and start doing more NFL draft across the weekend as we – Get closer to the playoffs. want to say thank you, everybody, for joining me today. I appreciate you being here. I've had a blast. This is your first time here. Hit that subscribe button. We've gotten a lot of good momentum uh, on the Falcons podcast because of folks like you who are liking and sharing and subscribing. Let's keep it going. Falcons need to go up to New York and come back with a win. That's all I've got to say. Y'all have a great rest of your week. We'll see you next time.